All right, KISS Army, welcome to the KISS FAQ Podcast. Thank you for giving us your time today and letting us into your head. I hope we don't do any damage. This is a KISS-related podcast by the board for the board. We hope that you enjoy. Welcome to episode 253 of the KISS FAQ Podcast. I'm not Owen, so fuck off. Stop paging me. Um... I'm your host, Julian Gill, admin on the FAQ message board. I'm running on two and a half hours of sleep and a cup of tea. Uh, so if it's a train wreck, it's all Andrew's fault. Yes, it is. Yes, it it's is. always Andrew's fault. It's always my fault. <laughs> Welcome back. Uh, obviously, Andrew, live cat man on the message board, known worldwide. Um, and loves <laughs> worldwide. <laughs> appreciated. St. Louis Kiss, Lonnie. What's up? And of course, 69th Blizzard, Ken. Thank you all Hello. for joining me for another episode of this stunningly produced podcast. It certainly doesn't meet the production quality of Kiss at Midnight. So that came out. <laughs> you, you let that out early. So yeah. how's how's the response been? Because uh, response has been 90, as usual, response has been 98% positive. And uh, I really can't thank everyone enough who watched it shared it sent me a message about it you know was just jazzed about it i mean there was a point after i put it out on tuesday where i was like i I did like two little scrolls through facebook like this i was like one two and every post i had seen were people sharing kiss at midnight so it was it was awesome the response has been absolutely awesome and the reason why i let it out early is because i couldn't wait any longer you know when i did greatest show on earth i didn't really set a release date for it i just kind of sneakily put it out there but this one i approached it differently i actually promoted it on all these great shows and i had a release date but as it was getting closer i'm like man i i want people to see this it's time it's time so i let it out and everyone loved it yeah so which of the podcasts are you on this week you're i think podcast <clears throat> rock city popped up in my yeah, feed that, yesterday that was the last one so i've done i've done them all i've done the most of them you know um i've done the podcast rock city the live show their podcast I've done Ages of Rock. Uh, I think Decibel Geek is the last one I got to hit. I've done yours, Podcast. I mean, just basically just hitting and doing my uh, my little media junket from this seat right here. Yeah, ours doesn't, <laughs> ours doesn't really count because we're making you talk about other shit than yourself as well. Well, but I, 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 I like that. I want to do that. You know, yeah, I get but... accused of being smug all the time. Well, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> I, I've been called a pompous ass. I don't know where that comes from. But, me know. neither. Me neither. Me just neither. a regular ass is fine. Just right? a <laughs> complete a total ass. ass. Yeah, yeah. Right. Hey, hey, guys. That's what, my wife says, quit half-assing that. I'm like, well, I'm using my whole ass. What yeah, whole that? ass. Well, never half-ass. It's always whole ass. So I'm, I'm going to want to ask you a couple questions that, you know, yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. cropped up on the, on the message board and on YouTube and elsewhere, you know, some of the of the questions some fans have been asking just because I think it's pertinent for you to be able to explain yourself um, and some of the things that they they were asking. One of the ones I think we covered this actually was the split screen was in the original. um, Yeah. Yeah. That. Yeah. So um, night one, Copa hall, January 25th, 1976, they had this split screen thing going on for like part of the show. And one of the very first edits, and you might've seen this one, Julian, I edited around that. I didn't have any, of the split screen stuff in there because initially I didn't like it. So it, there came a point where like there were a lot of really fast cuts and I was like, well, how can I fix this fast cut? So I decided I was going to just include some of this split screen stuff from night one. So no, that is not a creation of mine. That is how it appears on night one. And I just decided to pepper it out through the feature. 
again. Uh, Lana I, and Ken. I, I, Ken. Yeah, Ken, go for it. Ask it. I'm just saying, say I, I was saying I, I noticed that right away mm-hmm. in a couple of spots. And, and I thought, I said, oh, Andrew, Andrew did some split screens. <laughs> I, thought, I thought you did it. Uh, and because yeah. I never, I don't recall ever seeing the, the split screen or I don't, re, you know, remember. That's it the great or, thing or about this feature because it is, it, it, breathes new life on these three shows i know i only did five songs but it breathes new life we've seen this show so many times and now to see it presented in such a way that gives you a a different feeling it's you know people have said it's awesome so that's what it's about it's about taking something and you know spit shining it making it fresh and uh creating a new experience yeah i paid more attention yeah yeah yeah, I mean, with the doc, you know, I did see one, you know, one of the criticisms uh, that I, I noted on there was people saying we've all seen this footage before, and I was like, well, yeah, but you, it's, it is being, as you said, you know, resequenced, reenvisaged, you know, cleaned yeah. up, uh, harmonized. So you're, yes, you're seeing what you've seen before, but you're seeing it in a whole new way. So I thought it brought something to it because I, again, the split screen was a good thing that quite a few yeah. people have commented on and don't yeah. remember seeing it. And how long have we had those videos in circulation? You know, 1987, you know, so quite a long time. Uh, one of the other ones was, um, I thought you were going to basically do what you did with the greatest show on earth with a live. Ah, well, that's yeah, the thing, I you know, so with, with greatest show on earth, it, it got blocked on YouTube because I was using the alive Two audio at, you know, mm-hmm. that was one of the things that I got, you know, was under a lot of, you know, flack for Roberta again. Um, no, yes. uh, but I didn't want to do that here because I wanted to be able to share this a little bit more freely. I mean, I know this footage still belongs to kiss, but you know, it doesn't universal didn't slap me with a bunch of copyright right off the bat. So I, I wanted to, I wanted to do something different. I didn't want to just do greatest show on earth light, you know, cause greatest show on earth does tell the entire history of the band up until that point. I didn't want to do the same thing. And and not for nothing, you listen to those Cobalt Hall shows. It sounds different than they sounded on the live. There's a lot of you know a lot of studio trickery done, just as you know Houston sounds a lot different than Kiss Alive too. So I just watched those three shows and I just determined that Night Two sounded the best, and that was where I was going to start and what I was going to use. Nice. Um, and then I guess what was the final one? I was I was trying to think of what the hell. When's the next one? I've gotten that already too. <laughs> when's the next oh, one? When's the next? Yeah. Now, I'm a big fan of the subtle differences. I mean, Kiss fans love just little minutia. minutia exactly. Yeah, and just and just and just you know, what, what we collect you know different things. Oh well, this one says this on the back, or this one doesn't. You know, everybody has like their, their variations. Everybody loves variations. I mean, how many copies of of Alive did Julian have at one point? Every Kiss fans love variations. So yeah, he had to see. To see, you know, these little subtle differences in Kiss at Midnight, or it, like Ken said, it made you pay attention closer and made it a whole lot more fun to watch than just watching yeah, the, the concert yeah. the concert DVD. Yeah, that's what it's about. You know, the band is not putting out this stuff. There is a, I mean, apparently there is um, a demand for it because people love it. I mean, it hasn't even been up for 48 hours and has over 5,000 views. You know, it, that's that's awesome. That's 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 awesome. You know, it's definitely it's been knocked out of the park as far as I'm concerned. So, uh, you know, it's we're we're doing we're filling in the gaps where the band hasn't done it. Did Julian freeze or is he just no? He's no, still I'm, there. I'm just he's just moving. soaking it all in. 
uh, you know, I, I am listening. You know, uh, there's been some good constructive criticism. You know, feedback. You know, for a yes. of a different term yes. in there. One of the other questions that I, I did see is why is it so short? Well, because there wasn't when the interview that I used for this, it was called 13 Biographies and Allison Steele did this on Kiss. There were other bands that were done, the Eagles, Led Zeppelin, all everything like that. So the usable part of the feature was about like nine or ten minutes. I mean, the show was 60 minutes, but she played songs in there. She talked over some songs. So there was like some stuff I couldn't use because she was talking over the studio version of Black Diamond or she was talking over this or she was talking about history after 1976 where I wanted to set this feature. So once I listened to this 13 biographies front frontwards and backwards and found out what I wanted to use, there wasn't enough content to stretch it to 45 minutes or even to an hour. Because then here's the thing, like there's only certain songs available from Cobalt Hall Night across those three videos, you know, Extreme Close Up, Kiss My Ass, Kiss Confidential. I didn't want to use any of the time coded footage like I did on Greatest Show on Earth. So I wanted to keep it all to officially released footage. And, you know, I determined that I don't have enough to stretch this to 45 minutes or an hour. And if I did, I was going to be adding a lot of just garbage. I took the absolute best stuff. And that's what you see. So, and, and you made a comment too, Julian. Casablanca would have never have paid for a 60-minute, you know, little special at the time. 30-minute special is exactly where it needed to be, my opinion. Yeah, my I think opinion. I think my comment was Casablanca would have never paid. Period. They would have had to be yeah. sued, like uh, with the the Bell Sound uh, threats yeah. of legal action to get that uh, bill paid. But you know what? Yeah. It, it was good. I've I've had a, a real blast watching people enjoy it because it's just fun to see people take it for what it was trying to set it in the era with the treachers commercial with david cassidy there's a lot of fun stuff in there and um you know allison steele's got a great voice you know she does you know she does it this is a a tribute to her rock star you know she was the music press and journalism you know she really really was important to history as well you know if she was still alive i would find a way to to get to have her see this because i think she would have gotten a kick out of it she loved this music and she was a pioneer in a male-dominated world now more than ever we need strong female role models because she did it better than most of her contemporaries and it's it's a shame that not more people know about her or not more people talk about her you know um there's very few shows still available where you can go and listen to her i mean she would play entire sides of records she would you know read poems over instrument instrumental music i mean it was cool stuff you know she was giving you different things I, I would have loved to have seen her gone head to head with Eddie Trunk. I mean, that would have been that would have been great to see because she had a passion, she had a knowledge for this music. It wasn't just her going, "Oh, well, what's your favorite place to play?" She, you know, coined them as calling them Thunder Rock, and I mean, there are several specials that Allison Steele did with Kiss. So this is the ultimate tribute to to Allison, saying that we haven't forgotten about you, and you were instrumental in female disc jockeys probably in the new york area yeah if she had been still been around you would have been humping her leg trying to get her to reread mm-hmm. some of those lines that uh, she'd been <laughs> speaking over you know studio tracks no can you, you can know you just i just would... read this one again for me please without the background you know, I, music i wouldn't have done that because it wouldn't have been a true you know artifact of the time i would have done something different and i would have had her you know read something different and create something new but this needed to be set in 1976 
to make all the stuff make sense. You know, I was on uh, podcast Rock City last night, and uh, one of the guys was talking about how even the titles they felt like they were old and and sunken in. And I was like, man, I was like, all I did is I just blurred them two percent to just kind of set them in there because they look <laughs> they look too good when I was doing all the title work. So all I did is I just I blurred them a little bit, and and the, everyone's like, wow, they look like old titles so um you know maybe some of the fonts aren't exactly fonts that were around back then but uh it looks like uh you know something that came out in 76 um even the i even looked found the vintage nbc logo for the time so that little logo you see is the nbc logo of the time and the commercials were a nice little easter egg in there too yeah you know immediately when i knew that i was going to do a tv special i knew that i wanted to include vintage commercials as a way to turn back the clock I wasn't going to put like five or ten minutes of commercial, just a couple little commercials baked in there um, just to give you a little taste. And, you know, so many people have been saying, oh, man, I used to love going to Arthur Treacher's or, you know, David Cassidy. That's so cool. Or some people didn't even know that Tom Snyder was a newscaster before he had his That was my favorite part, him reading the news headlines, you know, just in his very kind of deadpan style. So, you know, I thought that was that was, you know, I was like, wow, cool. You know, yeah. Once I found that, I was like, man, I gotta use this. Oh, and the explosions, nice explosions. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I kind of went in, I sweetened some of the explosions to make them sound bigger because you know, if Kiss is coming to your home in mono because it wasn't stereo at the time, they wanted to sweeten up those explosions. They did on Kiss Alive, they did on Alive too. So might as well do it here. I don't know if they fixed any explosions on the Inner Sanctum. I don't think they did at that point because they were so they were so big at that point. Anyway, it didn't really matter. Um, but, uh, but, but again, this, if people are like, oh man, you got to do unmasked next. I was like, no, I don't. There's already something that exists from mm-hmm. unmasked. I couldn't do the inner sanctum better than it's already been done. So, um, but, uh, but yeah, I wanted to, to sweeten up some of those bombs a little bit and make them sound bigger because kiss is larger than life. Yeah. So let's talk about some other stuff. Um, as yeah. while we have you today. I just did get a mail call in, and I got the new Smokey. I don't know how well it's going to show up on camera. <clears throat> now, they've actually advertised this as pink vinyl. Uh, no, I'm joking. It's Smokey uh, charcoal vinyl. Looks uh, like someone spilled Coca-Cola on it. Gene Simmons Money Bag yeah. Soda, they spilled yeah. it on there. Money Bag Soda colored vinyl. Moneybagsodas.com. Uh, um, <laughs> which I'm very impressed with. You know, I'm bummed out it came with a split sleeve again. But here's, did it really? Yeah. But you know what? It's just using the generic 2014 covers, so those are easy to pick up and replace. So there's no still there's, shouldn't just, have to do that. Yeah, there's no sticker on the back that even says limited edition on this one or anything. Just the uh, the 45th anniversary hype sticker. Uh, anyone else gotten anything? I know the Funko Pops came out because I was at the mall at the weekend, and every time I saw one, my head would go. My wife would grab me by the ear. No. <laughs> Ken, you're muted. Oh, it's your fault. Anyway, uh, the the Gene Simmons one, I, I think I showed it before I got that one Funko. Um, I did get the double platinum. You showed it last week. It's so I'm not gonna show it again. It's the same same thing as you got. But uh, that finally cool. arrived yesterday. The first box that it was in is double box, but the outside box was basically destroyed. Yep. Uh, but then the inner was uh, the normal type of uh, inner, inner, you know, record type box yeah, and package it's, media. It's a, prop, it's a proper um, media mailer from, um, with crush zones, isn't it? From Amazon, yeah. And, uh, yeah, 
and it it was fine no problems it was perfect perfect shape so happy about that so i, I got one Those other thing destroyed. In today and it's uh italian magazine from oh cool august is 81 yeah august 1981 i'm still in search of that freaking elder ad from italy but uh, that's got an interview with Paul Stanley that I'll be translating this weekend. So uh, hopefully it's got something halfway interesting. It looks like it's mostly about the uh, Attack of the Phantoms, which uh, should oh, be of interest to someone, nice. if not me. But uh, yeah, it's just a few <laughs> recent additions. Lonnie, anything new in your world? No, I'm waiting on my double platinum, and I pulled the trigger on the Best of Soul albums today. So oh, oh. Yeah, as you uh, should have. It's as awesome. I should have. I was mad at myself <laughs> for not doing it before. Like, you better just do it or you're going to be really going to be pissed off at yourself and you can't it's, get it later. Yeah, so. it's it's awesome. You know, that was the Best of the Soul albums is my favorite. And I think I might have mentioned either on this show or, or another one that I had the original, the German one. I bought it at like a flea market when I was like 10 or 11 years old. It had some damage on the front cover, but I didn't care. It was a Kiss record and it had a different logo. So it's like, oh, my Kiss. So I still have that record. So to be able to purchase a, a copy now sure. in, in 2019, that just reminds me of having that record as a kid. Yep, those were the imports. That and Killers were the, the two that were around commonly in the mid-80s. Um, you know, even going back to when I was, you know, getting started, I bought the, it was the Dutch version that was circulating mm -hmm. mainly as, a, what was it, P, PSI, Polygram Special Import. It usually came with a sticker on the back of the, uh, the, the shrink for it. So, you know, very cool. And I did just manage to, from a really cool Dutch fan, get a set of the Austrian Metal Hammer singles. Now, I, are those I, official? They are indeed official, and okay. nothing to lose from the first uh, first album on side A, Hell or Hallelujah on side B, colored vinyl using the originals on the center rings, uh, four individual covers of the magazine using Tommy and Eric on those, so a little bit of a mismatch there, but... Uh, Mm. That'll just set the chattering classes off. Um, <laughs> but I think the reason for that was it was the first single and the last single. Yeah. Album yeah. single. Yeah, and, and know, it's if, got the makeup designs, which, come on, Tommy and yeah. Eric still wear Peter and Ace's makeup. So, you know, are they going to go to all the effort of creating new center rings or just use the art that's already covered? I don't care. I had signed up for those through uh, the vendor, and I, I must have missed the email or because it was uh, all in German and they weren't really uh, handling English. Um, so I missed it, but uh, this Dutch fan had a set, and so I'm happy. Those should come in in the next couple of weeks. So um, they've all you know, been busy with shows. You know what I think is interesting about those? They, they were clearly trying to do the first and the last single, mm -hmm. uh, but I think if they wanted to go you know, true first and last single, they would have done Nothing to Lose, and then they would have done Samurai Son, which, is the, which was the absolute last single. No, don't well, is it, don't touch my ascot after that. I don't think that was a single though. Um, well, Samurai Sun was 2015, right? Don't touch my ascot was 2014. Uh, okay. No, I think that's it. Don't touch my ascot came out after. It did it? I think you so. might be you might be right. You might be right, I but so. I, that's not a Kiss song. That was just for a song sure, used for. It wasn't know, a Sam single. It wasn't a single. Correct. Samurai Sun was a bona fide Kiss single. I like Samurai sure. Sun. I, I actually, love that song. I listened to it this week, so, you know, yeah. I'm not going to say that. I was going through all my footage that I had of Memorial um, um, Clover Z, or whatever they are. Um, you know. Memorial Clover Z, I think. It yeah, is what I, I want to get it all burned onto DVD, because there was a lot of footage that was put out around the time. Yeah. Uh, bonuses are here and there, and, you know, it's just a moment in time. I'm not going to edit it very well. I'm just throwing it on a DVD and burning it, so if I ever do watch it, 
you know, it's, it's ready to go. Rockin' Pot is back. The annual celebration of rock returns to Nashville. This convention brings together the best rock stars, music podcasters, vinyl and memorabilia vendors, and rock fans from all corners of the globe. Special guests include Michael Sweet of Striper, Brian Forsyth of Kicks, Jason Beeler of Saigon Kick, Erie Vaughn of Danzig, and members of Exodus, Roxy Blue, Every Mother's Nightmare, Kick Tracy, and more. Music podcasts from all over North America will be recording on-site all weekend. Special pre-party featuring the rock and roll residency, The Talisman, 8-Ball, and Lipstick Generation on Friday night. Rock and Pod Expo on Saturday. Join us at the Nashville Airport Marriott August 9th and 10th for Rock and Pod. Podcast registration and tickets and VIP packages available now at rockandpod.com. All right, let's head head into some what ifs because uh, that's been what a, if? that's uh, you know one of the things that Kiss fans spend a lot of our time talking about on Facebook or on the FAQ or Reddit or elsewhere is and it's a popular Marvel comic line. What if? What if? <laughs> so Ken, why don't you lead us in with uh, one of your what ifs? Yeah, well, I joked about the. I joked about Mark Marcus Almighty saying that uh, what if you know he he liked a destroyer, um, but uh, I think the world I, would end if I, I think that's just stretching if what if yes. a little bit too far. Yeah, and, no, and, and yeah, that's also that's cruel. That's I mean that's just really mean to even put Mark in that situation of ever yeah. thinking he'd have to say that. I know, <laughs> I know. So, um, so one what if is is pretty basic. I thought about it, some other ones, but the one just, I mean, I could have said, oh, what if Gene and Paul never met? But that's nothing, you know, that, that's whatever. Um, but I thought, you know, what if they didn't name the band Kiss and have that iconic logo that they, you know, Ace designed? Um, what if they did do or kept the Wicked Lester name or or went with some of the one of these other? Can't uh, yeah. yourself. Perfect. Uh, one of these other uh, names that they were going for. Of course, they couldn't do the the F word one. Um, that one. But there was a albatross. Albatross to, was another one. Albatross was another one. Yeah. So yeah. So for instance, if they would have went with albatross, uh, would that have? You know, sometimes a name and and a logo itself can uh, attract or detract. You know, from from you know, either buying something or even paying attention to it. Um, was it the right decision to go with kids? And and did they sell more? Are they did they sell more? Maybe records or or not versus uh, another name? Would would they have you know done better using another name than Kiss? Or would it not matter basically? In which it probably doesn't. I think it would have mattered. I think the simplicity of the name was definitely worked in their favor. Certainly worked in their favor as far as design go, lighted logos go. You know, they couldn't have a giant albatross logo they would take up. But I think <laughs> too many you know, lights. I think I think the simplicity of the name definitely worked to their advantage. But you, as you were as you were explaining the scenario, it kind of reminded me of something that Nikki Six said 
in one of the Motley Crue behind the music, he said that uh, if we have a name that's famous, then we're already famous. You know, when they were trying to name the band, you know, Christmas or, or whatever they were looking for at the time. Mm-hmm. So I think it would have made a difference. But uh, just remember, too, a, a lot of people were turned off by the image. So I also think that name aside, they they still would have caught the the same amount of resistance from the general public and certainly radio personalities. Uh, but I think the simplicity of the name worked to their advantage. Lonnie. Yeah, it's interesting. I think I agree with Andrew, the simplicity of the name and, you know, that everybody knows what, you know, what a, what a kiss is. And, it, and it's and it's not just in America, but it's like, but globally, you know, everyone knows, everyone's familiar with the term and it really worked to their advantage um, with not only becoming popular in the United States, but across the globe as well. And I think having a you know, a a bad name for a band, you know, does not work in favor of the band. I mean, that I mean, we we've seen that in the past. I mean, the the name the name really goes a long way. That's not just something to to overlook. So, would they have experienced the same amount of success? You know, maybe because good songs are good songs, and a good show is a good show. You know, whether they if they have a poor name for the band, but they still put on the show that they did in seventy four, seventy five, we're going to travel. Hey, you got to see this band, no matter what they're called and no matter, you know, and if they had the same songs. So it's, it's an interesting thought, but I, I think that, you know, I, 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 I would still like to think they would have the same amount of success with a different name. Yeah. I think Albatross is difficult though. At least you have the two S's <laughs> that Ace could have done. Uh, sure. In, <laughs> no, they're, but, they're you know, having a giant lighted Albatross behind you, I think the simplicity of the name was part of it with the image. What's that band that you, ah, that's Kiss, man. Nice. I mean, who forgets the word right. Kiss? You know, it'd be, hey, did you see that? What was that band? Uh, Pelican. No, the Eagles. No, Richard Albatross. Lester. Yeah. <laughs> nevermore, nevermore. You're not going to remember Albatross. And who wants to be the Albatross in the room? You know? So it, it doesn't have all those sorts of connotations that kiss, you know, like they all have always said in their, even in their yeah. revisionist her- history, the romantic kiss, the kiss of death and all of that. So I, I think the image is what people remembered, but having an easy, simple name made it all very a memorable package. You know, that they were outrageous, yeah. that they were, you know, Thunder Rock, you know, Albatross, Thunder Rock. You no. know, if they would have used uh, Wicked Lester, the people saying, well, oh, which one is which one? Who's is Lester? Lester? Which one's and, and Lester? Who's Lester? I mean, it's got like Jethro uh, Tull, right? Yeah, which uh, one is Jethro Tull? Exactly. Which one's Pink? Exactly. Which one is Hootie? Because you guys are the blowfish. Which one is Hootie? Well, they all blow. Hey, I, I, um, I'll tell you <laughs> a, a funny, really quick Hootie and the Blowfish story that relates to Kiss. Because uh, you know, Kiss presented the award to Hootie and the Blowfish in in right. the uh, was that that was the Grammys, right? Ninety six. Mm-hmm. I was watching that clip. I was watching that clip one night, and I still lived in Myrtle Beach at the time, working at the Kiss Coffee House. And I'm there at work the next day, and I'm making coffee, looking at this guy. I go, Where do I know this guy from? It's like I've seen him before. Then he walks up. I go, Dude, you're from Hootie and the Blowfish. And he goes, Yep. It was the drummer from Hootie and the Blowfish. <laughs> Who recognizes the drummer from Hootie and the Blowfish? I did because That's they all amazing. were up on stage, you know, or was like a no, no, I, I, excuse me, it was the guitar player, it wasn't the drummer, it was no, the guitar player. Who knows so, anyone I, from Hootie and the Blowfish? But I was like looking at him and I, I was looking at him and I was like, 
wait, you're from Hooting the Blowfish. And he was. So this is cool. He was cool. Nice. All right, Lonnie, <laughs> why don't we do one of your what ifs? Mine is what if Bob Ezrin had been available to produce Psycho Circus? Ooh. Would Psycho, would, what? So we, we can go into many different directions on that. And that, you know, and what would the album sound like? What song, mm. you know, what songs from those sessions that we know about wind mm. up on the album? What songs maybe don't wind up on the album? And do we get rid of the hideous cover? <laughs> and does the band, because Ezra produced it, experience more success, thus not playing the farewell card so soon after the release of Psycho Circus? And what effect would it wow. have on Mark Anthony Kay? Oh, man. Would wow. Mark Anthony Kay have just as much hatred for Psycho Circus? Hate hated even more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> even more. See, there's a lot of different directions you can go. And, and it just depends on what your thoughts are. Mm-hmm. Had Ed, had Ezra produced it, you know, Here, what would have been the after effects? Here's my thoughts on this. My my thoughts. I think you would have had a more cohesive album. Mm-hmm. I finally found my way to you would not have been on there because Ezra would have saw it as them trying to capitalize on Beth again and knowing that AM radio and moms were not listening to Kiss in 1998. But, you know, AM radio loved Beth in 76. That's why Beth worked. So I think that would have that would have went. And I think Body and Soul would have been on there instead of Razor Glasses. Um, I think maybe some of the gene material would have been more refined. But I still think I, I still think the album would have tanked because that type of music wasn't selling like hotcakes. The tour may have done better because they may have gotten along a little bit better. But let's get real here. You know, Ace was you know, doing a lot of drugs. Peter was just nonstop bitching. You know, Gigi was back in the fold. You know, I don't, I don't think, I think maybe they would have sold a little more albums and I think maybe the tour may have gone a little longer, but I think certainly that farewell card would have been played after that. I think for sure. Hmm. Oh God. I think, I I think there would have been a better selection of songs. I don't think within would have been on there. I like that that song. And that's for, I doesn't fit. It does not fit. I mean, um, I think Bob would have done a better job, with, especially with Gene's material, knocking it into better shape. I don't think Ace and Peter would have been in any better um, circumstances because of the problems that were going on in the background for the recording of the album, where it just simply had nothing to do with the producer. They were um, a matter of business coming off a yeah. vastly successful tour, and business is business, and that's fine. So Ezrin would have shown no reticence to... Uh, get in, you know, studio players to fulfill those roles. But I think the album would have had a better palette of sound than kind of being such a mismatch of or mismatch, uh, either mm-hmm. works, of what was just kind of cobbled together. If you look at the song lists of Bruce Fairburn's A, B, and C list, and now that the vault's out, you get to hear a lot of those other things that were considered i mean i turned to stone and and whatnot i i think bob could have done something with a lot of those song ideas and that's always been gene's strength that he does have some good ideas not necessarily for three and a half minutes throughout the whole song um and you have to bring them together and you have to have that uh, person so 
I, I just think that Bob himself would have been the wrong choice to do a reunion album because it should have been Kramer, because I think that would have at least gotten Ace um, maybe through the business side of the equation faster. And then you would have had three of the four, and I think then Peter would have come along as well. I, I can't remember if they were both still managed by Suet at that time. I think they were, but what was they saying at that time? Y'all should be thankful. And they're like, why? Because if I didn't quit the band, I would never come back and be successful with you guys again. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> That's like he actually said that. That they should be thankful that he quit the band because that gave him the opportunity to come back. Yeah, you're going to have to Ace hold, really, hold, hold that gentlemen. thought because we're going to have to talk a little bit about Ace yeah. as well and the, the latest okay, okay, uh, okay. bit of uh, press to come, come through on. Ken, I mean, um, what's your take on Ezra? I think it would have been better album, better sounding album. Uh, whether they made it sound like Revenge a little bit uh, production-wise would have been better, a little heavier. Um uh, I do think Bob Ezrin would have helped, yeah, tweak the songs, pick different songs, tweak the songs, add something here and there, change lyrics to fit the theme um, of the Psycho Circus if they're going for some kind of uh, concept album to make it make it all fit. Um, and I also think he would have been able to get Ace and Peter both in there because Fairburn said that they couldn't play well i think bob resin would have kicked them in the in the shape again i mean maybe it would have been a little harder this time since you know <laughs> there's a lot more you know drugs that have happened in, in between and and other stuff that's gone on but i think we would have had the four of them playing on that album now having said that we know bob resin has used other players um but I don't think it would have been as extreme as what we got on, uh, you know, Psycho Circus. So I, I do think it would have been a better album. Had it, would it sell more? No, because I think what the first week of release is, it's just all, all Kiss fans, Kiss diehards buying that album. Maybe get some other people, you know, Fairweather that say, oh, Kiss is popular. I'm going to go ahead and buy their album. Um, but it's not going to make much of a difference as far as uh, sales sales wise. I always get the feeling that the people who scratched their itch by going and seeing the band on the reunion tour wouldn't have been interested no matter what because they'd gone back in time for that moment, had that They're moment, done. and moved moved back into their current lane. Whatever. Yeah, but but do you, do you think that do you think way. that maybe those some of those Fairweather fans would have bought the record if it came out sooner? Because you had a huge period of inactivity of the band over oh, a yeah. year of inactivity. Sure. It, it, no, it should have came out about six months or two. Should have happened before the tour started. They should have. No, well, I I don't time. agree with I don't agree with that. But I think maybe they should have been demoing. They should have been working out while they were on the road. And the tour ended in July of '97. I think if this album had come out in January of '98, I think it would have been a bigger success. My opinion. I, I, I don't think it would have. Um, I think people would have moved on regardless because I really think they were going back for that one moment. And maybe it would have sold a few more. Maybe a few people would have hung on. You know, let's say it, you know, it ends in July and they managed to put out a single in September. Just one, you know, first recording, one song, just to keep the kind of creative things because you didn't get any of that instead you got the stupid comic books and all the merchandising started to build up and that turned me off at the time 
because that was what I was always scared of when the reunion happened. I'm like, this is going to kill the band as an actable musical, yeah. an active musical entity uh, with any creativity, because they're not going to go back and make anything that stands up to the past. It's all going to be overdoing the merchandise. And that's just it was the merchandise that scaled up rather than the music and especially yeah. after you wanted the best came out which was the abomination of music and what could have been cool i was dreading yeah. what was coming next musically um so i i don't think it would have i think it would have helped because they didn't start recording until uh, i think january mid-january january january to april they recorded that. yeah so you know that that was way too long and then from april to what was it september or yeah, August, September 22nd. August is when sat. it leaked on the rat. So, um, way, <laughs> 95, way, nine, the rat. way too, way too long, way too much delay. And then the, I don't think they would have done a 3d gimmick with Ezrin. I think he would have had a much more like destroyer, the original destroyer tour. I think if he had produced it, they would have had gone back to a bigger kind of new stage show. Like they finally done with the end of the road, you know, to completely re-envisaging it mm. without bringing in unicycles and tightrope walkers and fire breathers. and class. Listen, I think they should have done exactly what Motley Crue did on the Carnival of Sins tour. Yes, they had some, you know, circus people in there, but I mean, they knocked it out of the But the park. whole stage was the Carnival, yeah, not just, the whole, yeah, they not just knocked, a curtain in the front. Yeah, they knocked you it know? out of the park with that, uh, with, with that gimmick, and it, that tour was awesome. That should have been what Kiss did. What's Elani? I think, and I I think we hold the album in much higher regard than we do today, because a lot of people think about Psycho Circus and they just think, oh, that album's I can't even listen to it. It's just trash. I love it. Well, you're well, you are in the minority though, because a oh, lot of absolutely people, a lot of people don't a lot of it. Yeah, a lot of people just despise that album. I think I think it, by most Kiss fans would hold it in much higher regard had Ezrin came in there and had his thumbprint on it. And I think I'd like to think that, you know, like maybe, like Ken said, you know, maybe the other members of the band get more involved. You know, maybe maybe it does. I know Ace was, was really messed up at the time of the recording of that, but maybe having Ezrin involved could have been something that would motivate him to put put his best foot forward and and clean up his act a little bit during the time and, and instead of having the call in session musicians, you know, and we know as Ezra isn't scared to call in session musicians, I mean, they did it on Destroyer for crying out loud. So, and revenge. And revenge. True. So it's not beyond the possibilities. No. It probably still would have happened, but maybe not to this, to the extent and maybe we would have wound up with more than just one song where all four are actually playing on the album. I'd like to I'd like to think that if that would have happened, the band's getting along better. Maybe they don't play the farewell card as quickly as they did in 2000, but that's probably wishful thinking on my part. It was farewell to Ace and Peter. That's what it was. Pardon the hell out of me. <laughs> After the fact. Farewell to Ace and Peter. My, my, my farewell tour t-shirts do not say farewell to Ace and Peter on the back of them. You're, cr you're <laughs> That's correct. That's true. Farewell correct. to Kiss. And, and speaking of the farewell tour, the, the recording of today's episode, 19 years ago is when I saw the farewell tour, East Rutherford, New Jersey, June 27th, 
227-2000. They played there two nights. I didn't go to the second night, but I went to the first night. They were awesome. That's the, they were awesome. That's the last Kiss DVD, isn't it? Yeah, it was a combination of both nights. I think the crowd shots are from Atlanta, uh, if, I, yeah. if I'm correct on that. Yeah, I, I don't remember off the top of my head. I mean, that that's another one that should be re-kind of edited because uh, I'm not a big fan of what they did. I like the, the version from Japan. Yes. More. Mm-hmm. Um, and that should have had a, a, you know, a standalone release as well. You know, again, all these boats that the band missed, it's like they're catching up now that all this vinyl's being dumped on us at such a, a fast clip and surely more is to come and who knows what else in kind of these realms of uh, unreleased material. And that last kiss, I mean, it was fun at the time, a pay-per-view. Yeah. I've still got a poster in my hall from that. Um, it, it was exci- designed by Spiro. It was exciting. Yeah, it was exciting times. And that, that poster is really cool, actually. So keep me. Needing. Yeah, I, I remember I remember thinking that um, I, I couldn't believe that the show that I was at was going to be used for that that pay-per-view. So I was really, really excited to get it. It's a shame that the full show is it's in widescreen, but it's very dark. The Japanese one is, is still in because it was shot in widescreen at the time, which was unheard of at the time in the year 2000. Oh, yeah. Um, but uh, the the Japanese one is is superb in quality, superb in sound, and that's the one that you that you got to get if you're if you're trying to track something down. So there's uh there's the Japanese pay per view, there's the U S pay per view, and I think the U S pay per view and the version on Kissology Volume Three are, are identical. And there's the full show. Yeah. That uh that that unfortunately is a little bit dark, but uh you know the uh, awesome show, awesome times, and, and and yes, I know it's revisionist history, but I I really do think Gene and Paul were just trying to say farewell to Ace and Peter, and they were just trying to pull the wool over ours. I don't believe for a second that that they thought it was the end. Okay, at, so at so what if mm-hmm. five year contracts had not been signed? What if it was longer than that because it was a five year contract in 1996 they signed up for five years they ran mm. that cycle through to the expiration of peter's contract peter's lawyers rightfully decided to renegotiate on whatever grounds that they would then have had the experience of five years of interaction with gene and paul as uh, paymasters in business so it's hardly surprising that there was negotiation going on and then it's hardly surprising that gene and paul basically walked away from him but if the contract had been for a longer period or an open period mm. do you think it would have had a different effect on what actually happened with the farewell tour do you think no matter what, after a few years, these guys would have been sick to death of each other and uh, Ace and Peter would have been kicked out either together think, or, or uh, separately soon? I think, you know, if they had signed a 10-year contract, we'd be looking for Jimmy Hoffa's body, Peter Chris and Ace Frehley's body. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it was clear. I mean, you read all the books and, I, and I'm not talking about, you know, the the text that Gene or Paul wrote. I'm talking about other people that were around the band at the time going, man, I have no idea how you're dealing with these two idiots. You know, you have you have Peter who's who's saying, you know, I you know, I, I'm only getting paid, you know, X amount of dollars. Uh Peter, you signed that contract. You knew what you were making and now you're acting like we're trying to uh, but you signed it. So I, I don't I don't understand like it's clear that a lot of the people, Gene and Paul included, listened to the wrong parties. Maybe they shouldn't have – maybe they should have held them on a tighter lease. Maybe they should have gave them more money. Maybe they should have given them less money. I mean who knows? There's a lot of – there's so many what-ifs. You know, What if they were brought back in as equal partners? Would they have you know, stomped away in a fit? 
wanting a cut of the merchandise every night like Ace was getting. I don't know. I don't know. It just it just seems to me that those guys are just water and vinegar. They really are. And I've never read the contract because in the, I, I don't know if they circulate, but I certainly have not seen them. But I think that there should have been more structure to the contract in 1996 saying that you will be doing such and such. Because I can understand Peter or Ace getting pissed off at the amount of money that was generated that they signed on when Gene and Paul were taking all the risk. So they yeah. signed on mm-hmm. at a low, uh, what may have been a low ball number, that this is the very best that we may do. Uh, so this is our bottom offer to you. Take it or leave it. You want to be a part of it? Make $5 million or whatever. I have no idea what the money is, by the way. Um, nor do I want to know. And then you go on a tour that generates in 1996, $43 million or 45 whatever it was. It, then that's just 1996. And then they had to run through 1997. So I can totally understand Ace and Peter sitting back and saying, whoa, 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 Sparky. Now, yeah, you're making a lot of money. <laughs> I know we signed a contract. However, <laughs> you're making a lot of money because we're back in the van. Yeah. They changed it to percentages instead of... Uh, they should have changed it to... They should have changed it to... Or, or, or be some kind of incentive laced or something like that, you know, like like you hear about with 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 athletes and that, you know, if, you know, if you play X amount of games, you know, you get this kind of bonus structure, you know, or maybe, you know, may, and I'm, I'm not a lawyer, you know, making contracts or anything, but, you know, maybe if the band sells out X amount of dates, well, you get this bonus or something, something like that. I don't know. That, that, maybe, that, maybe, that maybe that would have held things together better. That, that may have worked, but me just speaking on you know uh, an ignorant standpoint on this, I just think that that group of people, George Suet included, Ace Peter, they were such they were such they were so foolish at the time that I don't think they would have ever have thought that constructively to do that. No. I I think that they they were pigheaded in the assumption that they wanted this, they wanted our way, or we're gonna walk. And maybe Gina Paul bowed to them. I mean, like I said, no one knows what actually happened, no. but it's clear. It's clear that these two groups of people never saw eye to eye. So who knows what changing that could could have done? Uh, I mean, I, I definitely understand that they were brought in at a low dollar figure. Then you know they're making all this money, but uh, you know Gina and Paul say, hey, you know this was a success because we told you what to do, and and now you have you know um, Ace and Peter going, what's well, a success because because of us. And Gene and Paul go, no, it's a success because I, I told you what to do. So it's, you know, it's, we don't know what actually went on. What we do know is that those two groups of people were difficult to work together. That's what we do know. Yeah, and you do get a little bit of seasoning out of uh, some of the autobiographies about what did happen, uh, but you don't get all four perspectives. And again, there's always more to business than as, as, may be the case but i think structure would have helped that if they had said we're going to do the tour until then then we're going to do an ep or get a single out then we're doing an album and they would have had the monetary lines all the way along if you do not do this you you know there are penalties (laughs) show plate yeah you know what athletes and peds you know they get financial penalties well same for musicians with performance enhancing uh performance enhancing (laughs) Substances. Wasn't there wasn't there a, a story that I read that Ace wanted to quit on the eve of the K Rock Weenie Roast when he saw the four Spin magazine covers? He thought it was stupid and wanted to get out of there. D- didn't I read that somewhere? I've never heard that. One. I don't recall that. Because no. I thought that that flight that Ace missed was Ace saying, "I'm not doing this. This is stupid." 
That's what I I thought I read that somewhere. I, I could be wrong. I don't know. I mean, Ace missing a flight is just not that unusual. Yeah, yeah. In, so. in, in other news, water is wet. Yeah, so um, my what if is just going to be a quick one, and then I want to talk about Ace and the latest um, article for Wilkesbury, the show coming up. And that is what if Peter Chris was still in the band for Unmask? Which song or songs from Out of Control <laughs> oh, God. do you think would have ended? You know, what if? Peter was still there. Do you think Kiss could have done justice to on Unmasked? And all of you are probably trying to think of one song title from Out of like Control, I'm right? Trying now. to remember any other than Out of, Out of Control, Control, which right. you know, that's um, the only one. There you go. We're done. <laughs> yeah, I think it would have had something like words. It would have been one of the sappy ones that would have been Kissified uh, somewhat because you know, could it be love? Maybe the one of the outtakes. Yeah would actually have worked no they would have there's redone. nothing better i could see him i could see them doing there's nothing better hey i love it that. i love that i'm sorry i love that album i always have from the day i found a cassette copy in singapore i have listened to that a lot i've listened to it more than his 78 solo album well that's not exactly a stretch but uh <laughs> all right ken what do you think would work and you're on mute so right now we're again the sounds of okay. silence will work. I get the uh, sounds of uh, yeah, um, Simon and Garfunkel. Um, so yeah, it's obviously not going to be I don't think by myself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. Uh, but uh, because that, that's already the on song... there. It's called Shandy, and it's Paul by himself. Uh, as yeah, kiss. maybe I found love. That's a good pick. I, really I like that. I yeah, I, I I mean that one sticks out. I kind of remember that one. Uh, out of control, maybe. Not you better run because Pat Benatar. Well, she had it like at around the same time, right? Yep. Uh, or just a bit earlier, and she made a hit out of it anyway. So, yeah, I'll, I'll say I found love. Maybe they would use that one, that song. All right, let's go to Lonnie. I'm saying there's nothing better. I could see them doing that. There's nothing better. It's kind of poppy, and it kind of sounds like it could sync up with the other songs on Unmasked. Um, kind of kind of catchy. So that's my pick. I could I could totally see that ending up on Unmasked and getting you know, getting the Vinnie Ponce treatment. Yeah, it already had the Vinnie Ponce treatment. Oh, yeah, obviously, yeah, because he'd recorded the demo and it know. was one. Yeah, of- yeah. It was one of the four songs that Peter submitted for Dynasty, so I think that would probably be the most logical pick because it's also got a, I guess, a similar sort of vibe to it that Dirty Living had. You know, a little mm-hmm. bit dancey, a little bit uh, softcore, disco, very AOR-ish as well. Softcore, so something else. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Andrew, you figured out a song. Well, it's the only one I know is out of control. I don't even remember any of the other songs on that record. It's been a, it's been at least ten years since I played it. At least I have it somewhere. Yeah, you know, I just it's probably out of control, or maybe my life. I don't know. I mean, it's just, you know, uh, but like I still remember the the chorus of out of control. So I think that could have been kissified. And that was I, one I of really, the, again, that was another one of the that demos. was another demo. So you know, it, it's. It, Again, logically, I think most likely it would have been There's Nothing Better or Out of Control. Um, They probably would have gone with There's Nothing Better because 
now we've got seven-year-olds. We can't be out of control, especially when we're unmasking. <laughs> we have to be in Gina Paul. We have to be in control. No out of control. Well, he would have. He would have wrote. He would have wrote sooner. Um, you know, bad people go to hell. Whatever that stupid song <laughs> is. I love that song, and I, I'm looking forward to that vinyl coming out. The the two LP, the purple vinyl reissue of Chris uh, Cat Number oh, yeah. One. And I'm also hoping Universal gets around to reissuing both of Peter's albums on colored vinyl. But they I, burned in the, the the fire. That's actually they were trying to use it for kindling, and the fire got out of control. So geez, they were trying barbecue. to burn that one. Yeah, that's that's just evil. I mean, I'm really curious to find out whether any Kiss stuff was impacted. Now that we're finding out about Brian Adams, Cheryl Crow. Um, that's terrible can't remember some of the other people who have been confirmed to have lost their whole catalogs there was there, there was, a, there was tons demos alternate takes unreleased recordings these are the masters these are not mixed downs and safety copies which will be poor analogs because those often turn up in vaults elsewhere around the world as they are sent out to other countries but, I mean, it, it really is just an egregious treatment of um, raw material. Well, it makes you wonder how, how well, you know, well they did the vinyl remasters for Kiss. I mean, they turned out so well, so I'm kind of thinking that they did have some kind of uh, good tape source. It's, assuming that they did it from uh, analog tape. It looked like quarter-inch mixed downs from the reel that was shown on the Twitter feed of one of the engineers who was doing the transfer. It showed uh, the, the transfer hardware at 192 was the input uh, bit rate that they were using. And they had the reel, which was just a copy. It mm. wasn't the original masters multi-tracks. Mm. You know, it was maybe the mixed down master. Um, mm. Once you, because it had a, a good copy. Oh yeah, it, it, it's the the one that's basically used to make records. But you want to have the oh, ones with all yeah. the you know I've got a two Real inch master. reel behind me of Sean Delaney's, and when you go into all sixteen tracks on there, you find all sorts of shit recorded. I mean, it's just him noodling around in the studio uh, on a piano with uh, Richard T. Bear doing a, an unreleased song. <laughs> but there's different versions. There's you know different obviously tracks being recorded to multi-track it. Um, mm -hmm. And what's going to be on like a Kiss tape? I mean, those are the ones that we talk about. Yeah. But were they on the East Coast? Because we heard uh, a certain catalog consultant did talk about Kiss's catalog and how he had seen, you know, Universal Wholesale shoveling them into dumpsters, you know, after they transferred God. them in the 90s. So, you know, mm. it's not just a fire in 2018 or whenever it happened. You know, it's it's been a, a treatment of master raw material that's been disgraceful for many years, but that's always been the case. They're the record label, and once you've recorded your stuff and signed it over to them, they own it. Mm. Until you want to do a deluxe edition. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ace Fraley, last thing before we wrap up hey. in five Ace. minutes. Um, what, do you, what do you think? Is he still trying? He hasn't talked to Gene, but he talked to Paul recently. Um, mm -hmm. he, he's not sure. Uh, he'd still be willing to join them on stage, but Tommy would have to go backstage. Um, so you could have Skinny Ace and Not-So-Skinny Ace in makeup. Um, what do you, Andrew? Please, no. 
<laughs> Please no. You know, listen, um, that band makes Ace sound awesome. I I don't know if Ace could sound as full as Tommy Thayer sounds. Tommy Thayer is an accomplished musician, whether you like it or not. Ace just there are just things that have just happened in Ace's life that he is just not what he used to be. So please don't please please no. Please don't ruin it all. Um, yeah, please, please no. I, I think the desperation that came across in the interview, and this was Alan Stout, uh, K. Stout. I, I don't remember the name of the site off the top of my head, so I'll have to try and find it before we do wrap so I can tell you where to go and read this. But but didn't you see there was a video of Ace before he did the interview? Because this guy's like, Ace, what are you doing? Yeah, putting the gloves back on. <laughs> making them back on now. Putting the, They're back on now, guys. Now we could. Now we can talk. My hands are cold. <laughs> <laughs> but now he's basically Mittens. throwing Rachel under the bus. Oh, I didn't see. Oh nothing. yeah, he's basically saying that she's the one that did that, which we all kind of knew. Oh, ever knew that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Saw nothing. Nothing. I, I saw not. I saw nothing. Ace. Putting the gloves back on. They're, think, they're on now. Yeah, that, I read the interview. They don't today. fit. You must be quiet. Um, uh, but uh, yeah it's just another attempt he still wanted to get back in Um, you know it's not going to happen the only way anything's going to happen is going to be the very very last show which they say which is going to be in New York didn't I read something they already know where they're going to play Mm -hmm. in New York but we don't know, but they're going to play somewhere. Um, people assume Madison Square Garden, but it, it could be somewhere else. Um, but we but do know it will be somewhere. It will be somewhere. <laughs> it will hopefully be somewhere. And you know what? Real quick, going back to that Psycho Circus subject, one thing I forgot to mention is Bob Ezrin would have used uh, It's My Life on that album. Yes, I was yes. thinking that too. That's, I was great. Thinking. That's an excellent yeah. point. But yeah. anyway... I, I mean, this, you know, you have me going, Ace, please, no. But then you have Ace's band going, Ace, no, please don't. We already, the, the, our one boss is, you know, already, don't, no, please, no, we need a paycheck. <laughs> His poor band. I want those guys to do the 78 solo album properly in a theater, live DVD from Ace. It's about time he did that. So put the gloves back on, buckle down like nothing's ever going to happen, Ace. You know, keep going with your origins, too. And again, it was uh, musiconthemenu.blogspot.com, Alan K. Stout. You can find the link on the FAQ message board in the general forum where you don't need to be a member to read. Uh, you can lurk, and it's uh, the topic is Ace Open open Up to Playing with Tommy. I'm sorry, that doesn't make much sense, but that's how the person wrote it. Um, the <laughs> interview... Just change the description. Ace put the gloves back on. Yeah, well, <laughs> Alan did a great job with the with the interview, and he also got some of the titles of songs that he's going to be covering on Origins 2. And mm-hmm. uh, Good Times, Bad Times by Led Zeppelin. Yawn, another Zeppelin song. He's doing a Stone song too, right? Jumping, Jumping Jack, Jack Flash with Leader Ford. Leader Ford. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. And 30, <laughs> 30 Days in the Hole. <laughs> which is Humble Pie, the mighty Steve Marriott, but with Robin Zander um, on vocals on that. So that that one interests me, but I'm like, how's that an Origins? It's from 1972 when you were already kind of defined your style and joined KISS, at least December 72. I really had hoped he'd stay in the 60s or stuff. Now, as someone else mentioned today, it's just become 
a cover album, not really Origins, which is a shame. Um, but there you go, maybe he'll do it justice. Not a big fan of that song, but there you go. So that's three of the songs. I guess we'll find out more. I'm hoping that the uh, Highway Star is there, or Space Trucking, whichever the, the Deep Purple Ooh, song is. I, I would really enjoy Space Trucking. Yes. He did cut yeah. one for the last Origins album, which was not used, I believe. And I, I want that. And you know, that's the kind of stuff I would rather hear. Purple, um, some of the more obscure stuff from the 60s that he played in his club bands at the Rustic Pub and whatever. What Kiss songs is he going to cover? He's going to be... You know he's going to. You know he's going to. You know it will. Lick you it up. To. Oh, please, no. I hope not. <laughs> no. Please, no. Maybe, maybe, maybe because Kiss never did it, won't get fooled again. Yeah, I could see that. I could I see could that. Who? Yeah. 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 I could see that. Somehow I don't see Paul doing that um, in mm-hmm. Soul Station. But, uh, you know, there, there's some no. Kiss songs I would love him to do. And I basically like him to stick to Killers, Creatures, do? and maybe The Elder. Uh, read yeah, Dark Light. I don't Dark mind Light. him doing something like even Getaway. Where, Ooh, dark, know, dark, dark, saying, good, he yeah. can do his own. Mm-hmm. Oh, he, he said, you know, how Bob took away all my solos. Well, re recorded Ace and put the solos back in. All right, well, Curly? I, 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 I forgot them. I forgot the solos. <laughs> well, I forgot them. Then go, go into your garage and get the multi tracks out. And, you know, there we go. All right, so let's leave it there today. What are some of the what ifs that you want to talk about? Uh, because we're always willing to take ideas for another show topic. Um, chime in wherever you listen to us on what you think of The Last Kiss pay per view, uh, Andrew's Kiss at Midnight movie. Stream Kiss at Midnight, yo. Yeah, available on YouTube and Vimeo. Yeah, because I'm, I'm, you know, taking, I'm, you know, kicking names and taking asses. Uh, okay, put, put the gloves back on. Yeah. I'm taking the gloves off. All right, guys. So from Andrew, from Lonnie, from Ken and myself, thank you for watching and listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye for now. Woo. Thank you for spending time listening to the Kiss FAQ podcast today. All sales are final. There are no refunds. If you'd like, look us up on Facebook or come over to the Kiss FAQ message board and discuss the topic we broadcast today. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes, Spreaker, or wherever you've listened to the show. We hope you'll join us again.